um, I think, important lesson uh, kind of in our society today, too, uh, the idea of not uh, not judging people based on outward appearance. I, I know in James, he's talking specifically, yeah. it's in James 2, about um, kind of their wealth status. Um, but I think definitely that's something that we can see. And he flat out condemns it as evil, treating yeah. people differently based on something like uh, their their social status or socioeconomic status or, um, you know, stuff like that. So there's just, there is, there's so much just practical application in the book. For sure, um, for sure. And just, when I was, when I was writing that part, um, going through and reading that part, that was when, um, after COVID, but when all of the spike in the, the, talks about racism and the violence against African-Americans, you know, there were these incidences of different people that had, had, you know, either been injured or murdered or you know, killed. Um, and, and, yeah. you know, you have a, a nation that's um, really was kind of at war. Um, there was, there were just people battling verbally and, and in other ways. And, you know, some people, um, that were on one side and uh, some people on the other. And, and so that part uh, really stood out to me and just felt like a, a message that we all needed to hear. Um, and, yeah. and just, if nothing else, the um, just the different perspective and the awareness of how, how do I perceive other people? How do I judge other people? Because if, if I think, I would, I would like to think that I'm not racist. <laughs> you know, if we want to get real here it, it, and James got real, I would like to think that I'm not racist. But if I think that I don't look at people and make judgments, I mean, I'm, I'm a fool like that. That is just human nature. We all do it. And so to be aware of that, like, and, and learn how to, to maybe stop those thoughts or make different choices what a powerful thing for Christianity and, and how many times are people turned away from the faith because they walked into a church and they were dressed a certain way, um, and didn't fit in. And, you know, yep. they saw the whispers and people kind of maybe not even out loud or verbally, but they felt shunned. And, yeah. and then that person is probably never or not for a long time going to darken the doors of another church. And oh, yeah. so it's, it's such a, such a powerful thing to think about that, that topic of favoritism, um, for so many reasons. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's something my, my family had experienced. So prior to, so my, <laughs> my dad basically, kind of had to like become a Christian to date my mom. Um, my mom was raised in a Christian house. My dad, very much the opposite. And um, so he started coming to church just because my mom was and he had to. And so my dad's family came a couple times too, but there were um, people had commented on how my aunt had dressed and her boyfriend that they had brought had uh, like really, really long hair. And they thought that that was inappropriate and stuff. And so my, my aunt, um, did not go back to church again until, uh, my dad actually ended up getting a, 
a senior pastor position at the at a church close to where my aunt lived and so then she started attending again um but that's i mean i've i've personally have seen where where that has affected and that's not how we're supposed to be you know even um kind of talking again about the you know the whole idea of apologetics and and things like that i've heard and and we see this too in history that a lot of times um not a lot of times, but specifically if we're looking at uh, like like slavery in the South and um, America's history and stuff like that, they would try to take the Bible to push yeah. that that was okay. But yeah. the problem is you can't do that, not if you're taking the Bible in full. And so, um, you know, even I, I've seen, uh, I've tried to find a copy. Um, I don't, I haven't had any success in doing it yet but there are bibles that they would hand out to slaves that were edited they would take out passages that um went against the idea of slavery being okay and so you know there's there's been a lot of not good stuff done in the name of christianity in the name of god but those things are not approved of by the Bible. And if you really start getting in and digging in, you see that, um, very, very clearly it's, 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 it's really not hard at all. And so you have to really take a lot of stuff out of context and you have to, um, you know, plug your ears and, and close your eyes and stuff as you're going through uh, certain chapters and, and, and books and things of that sort. Um, but no, I think, um, that's, that's, what you brought up, uh, that was a really good example of how even now, like things that are going on in our society, there's so much truth in the Bible, even with it being written 2000 plus years ago. Um, there's so much there that we still can glean from today. And I mean, just wisdom, like, simple stuff um even outside of james you know uh i think uh proverbs talks about if you want to if you want to have friends be friendly um i mean it's simple but (laughs) things that some people don't really think about I mean, it doesn't Um, have to be that hard right it doesn't right i think we we complicate things and and i mean you keep bringing up apologetics and i love that that's something i've been I don't know if the Lord's trying to speak to me about it or, or what, but it's a, it's a topic that I've been running across and reading more about lately. Maybe it's, maybe it's becoming the, the latest Christian buzzword or something, but I, I've been reading a lot about it and, and I had not thought about James as being a help in, in apologetics, but it really is. Um, yeah. There, there's just so much, of the basics of, of what it, what it is to be a Christ follower. And, and there's so much here that can defend a lot of the questions that people have, um, you know, uh, faith and works, the, the favoritism we've already talked, talked about, uh, pride and humility. And so, so much here that could help with that. Um, 
And, and I love that you, you talked about your, your favorite, um, was to submit to therefore submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And one of, I think the best, the, the best, uh, defenses, I guess, if I had, or, you know, the best way to defend your faith and, and, um, practice apologetics is that very passage it's for James four, seven through 10, but it says, therefore submit to God. And when he says, therefore, anytime you read, therefore, you're supposed to know what was before that. Right. And so yeah. before that, he's talking about that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And so he's like, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners and purify your hearts. You double minded, be miserable and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And I'll stop there because when I read that, like that doesn't sound fun. And, <laughs> and in the beginning, James says, says, you know, consider it pure joy when you go through trials. And now he's like, let your joy turn to gloom. But he's talking about when, when we're in sin, when we're prideful. And if you think about any time that, that you have been prideful, when I've been prideful, when I've been trying to take control myself, and live my own way and walk my own way. And then I realize what I've done. I mean, there is a process of kind of humility and, and um, even feeling humiliated and uh, a process of mourning and sadness that comes with realizing your own sin. But then the very next verse, 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And I don't know of a, a better, like that comes to mind other than the Sermon on the Mount, we can talk about that, but I don't know of a better, much of a better defense um, or, or passage to use for apologetics than that. I mean, hu humble yourself, like we, we can't lift ourselves up. And the more we try to lift ourselves up, there's no room for God to lift us up. You know, he, yep. he can't. And so when we humble ourselves, and it's, it's the opposite of what the world says. The world says, get bigger, get louder, do more, be more. And, and Jesus said, humble yourself. And James repeated, humble yourself, humble yourself. And then what will happen? God will lift you up. And again, it goes back to that faith. Like, who do you believe in? You believe in yourself? You believe in your own abilities? You believe in, right. in, in you know, what someone else says they can do for you? Or do you believe in your God? Because if you have faith yeah. in your God and you humble yourself before him and he will lift you up. And so that I love that passage for that. But I had never I'd never thought about it relating to apologetics. Yeah, James is um, it's one because you can look at. Um, so a couple of things that that really help with that, uh, the. We, we don't know definitively that all of the apostles ended up being martyrs. Um, we do know for sure that, that some of them did, but we can tell, obviously, that all of them were at least willing to die for what they believed. Yeah. So that's one compelling piece of evidence. Um, but I, another one, and a lot of people, uh, people that are familiar with uh, kind of the, uh, the, the manuscripts and, and textual criticism and, and things like that, um, they, they use this a lot. The fact that James had absolutely no reason whatsoever 
to believe that Jesus was God. Um, he didn't like through his entire ministry, he didn't. So something had to happen that changed that. Um, and so the fact that he had such a complete 180 and then, you know, even we see in the, um, uh, the book of acts where they're talking about, I think it's when they're discussing whether or not the Gentiles have to go along with the law. Um, and they, they say that James says no. Um, and so you can see even there, it wasn't, it wasn't Peter who, who had made that call, who they, they noted was the one that was leading that decision. It was James. And so he, he flips pretty drastically, pretty quickly, um, to where he is no longer not believing at all, but he is a, a very prominent leader in the early church. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, if you really get yeah, in just and start his life looking... is, is a testimony, right? Like I, um, oh, yeah. that's, that's such a good point, Jesse. Like if you can imagine what it must've been like, and I know kind of like you said, the comfort level of if you've, if you've been in church and been a Christian for a long time, and I, you said you're a preacher's kid, my mom was actually the church secretary and so okay. I, I'm kind of like a preacher's kid. Yeah. I was always at the church, you know, yep. running around, playing um, on the piano. I, I've told a story before about how we we used to find things and we found a dead bird one time outside and we had the janitor and my mom come out and we had a little bird funeral. And I mean, it was just, I, I lived at the church a lot of times yeah. in the summertime and, and, and whatever. So there, there comes, and it's sad that it happens, but it does happen. I've, I've heard this from other people, but there, there just, there just comes this comfort level with like the, even the story of Jesus sacrifice on the cross. Like, yes, Jesus died for us on the cross, you know, just kind of becomes this fact and this thing that, that, you know, but for, I have to believe that for James to have lived through that. And I mean, the veil was torn. It, it went completely dark. Um, you know, people rose from the dead. I mean, it was such a dramatic event. And if we think about the dramatic events in our life that we will never forget the, the, the one like September 11th or um, Hurricane Katrina or, you know, all of the events in, in our generation and for previous generations, you know, the, the death of JFK or whatever it was, and how much that affects you, how it sticks with you. And I have to feel like that's kind of what James experienced. Like, yeah, my God, he really was the son of God. And, yeah. and, and then he was changed and then he was different. And so it's cool that we get to experience. Um, if you dig, like you said, if you dig into the word and the story behind it, that we get to experience that too, just by understanding what James transition and his life was. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And the more you dig, the more you end up finding. And there's so many, it's, you know, like I talked about all the different authors and topics and things like that, but it's, it's perfectly blended together. And there are so many, you know, a reference in this book is, is or something in this book is referencing something in another and back and forth and back and forth. And, the Old Testament and intertwined with the New Testament, there's just, there's so much connection all throughout everything. Um, you can, 
read through every single book and read through it again. And you're going to get something new when you read through it a second time and a third time and a fourth time. Um, so no, I, it's, it, it is definitely life-changing to, to get in there and read. Um, I do want to talk a little bit. I know you have uh, another Bible study coming out. Um, and this is specifically on, this is one I talked about a little bit when we first started. I think it's going to, I think it will pair really well with, with what you already have with, uh, <clears throat> with no excuses. Um, but you said that this is going to be on the, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so, um, obviously this is not out yet. This is just for pre-order. So you don't have to give away too much that's in it. Um, but if you want to just kind of maybe give a brief overview, um, you know, what, what your thoughts were on that, um, anything that really stuck out to you in that process. And, uh, I will to I will put, um, so I'm going to put links for, I, I, I think you sent me all your links, but I can put links for, um, for all your stuff in here. So anybody that, um, wants the book, uh, wants the no excuses. I highly recommend it. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm probably, I've mentioned it to my wife too. I think she's going to go through it as well. Um, but I'm probably going to get on and, uh, and pre-order your other one. And then, uh, maybe we can have, once it comes out and, uh, I get through that, maybe we can set up uh, another interview and go through that one as well. But, um, if you want to talk for a little bit, uh, just real quick about what you have coming out. Um, I, I think that would be uh, good to hear too. Yeah, I would love to. So it it is a Bible study on the Sermon on the Mount. It's called Dear Disciple. Because again, when I dug into the Sermon on the Mount, I I just felt like it was such a strong message to disciples. And I talk about it in the study, but in the study, Jesus goes up on a mountain and it's really it's really the only place in the Bible where we have this long of a monologue that's just the words of Jesus. And and what led me to write that was actually writing the study on James. And there's so much that James, like you said, everything's connected in the Bible. And there's so much that James says that he's essentially quoting or paraphrasing from Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most quoted, I think, and, and just even outside of Christianity, um, the golden rule, you know, for instance, comes from the Sermon on the Mount. There's, it's one of the most quoted passages. And I, I think there's a lot of people that, that quote it and use phrases from the Sermon on the Mount that they don't even realize it. Maybe yeah. they don't even know that it comes from the Bible, much less, you yeah. know, from Jesus, from the Sermon on the Mount. But in going through, through James, I became more and more interested in the Sermon on the Mount. So then um, I kind of did the same thing. I just, I just really dove into personally myself, the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, filled a notebook full of notes about it. And, and, and then I started writing this study. And I think one of the things that I discovered and that I, I really um, was just astounded by was how powerful Jesus's words were. And I think, again, as a longtime church grower, you goer, you hear those words, the Sermon on the Mount, and you know what I'm talking about. A lot of Christians would even be able to tell you that it's in the book of Matthew, that it's a, a message that Jesus preached um, or spoke. But when you get into it, you know, first of all, just the fact that he ascends a mountain, just like Moses did, and that Jesus is the, the better and more true Moses really 
And, and so just the, the, um, the metaphor and the, the continuation of the story of it all, how God has this whole thing planned out. The Bible is really one whole story and he connects it all just right there in the beginning by the fact that Jesus just goes up on a mountain to speak to his people. And then when you go through everything that Jesus says, so much of what he says, there's, there's all these, you have, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this. And there are these statements that seem like he's contradicting in, in one sense, seem like he's contradicting what the religious leaders of the time were saying and what the religious beliefs were, but he's not at all contradicting God's law. He's just taking it to a truer and deeper and really what was the, the, the intended meaning because God never gave us a set of rules just so we could follow rules, you know, just, right. just to say, I I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm following the right rules. He gave us rules so that, so that his people could be right before him. And so that right. there would be guidelines. So we would know what it's supposed to look like to, to be one of God's children, but he never intended for, you know, what, what ended up happening and what the religious leaders were doing at the time, they made all of these sub rules that were their own interpretation and, and were basically, you know, enforcing all of these rules that weren't even truly in line with what God said. And, and so not only was Jesus clearing up misconceptions, but he was getting at the heart of the matter, you know, things like you've heard it said, um, don't commit murder, but, but I tell you, you know, don't even be angry with anyone, you know, don't, and, and it's, or don't act on your anger. You've heard it yeah. said, don't commit adultery. I tell you, you've committed adultery if you've even lusted after someone. And, yeah. you know, things like that are like, whoa, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and, and it just says that the people were astonished. The people were absolutely astonished. And again, like we talked about James, if you, if you try to put yourself in the, in the, the story and remember that these were real people that lived as part of biblical history and try to, try to think of what it would have been like to be them the people were astonished because he spoke with such authority. He wasn't just conveying the law and repeating the same rhetoric that they've heard. He was telling them something with power and authority and flipping some of their misconceptions upside down. And they were absolutely astonished. And just the thought of, of sitting there listening to Jesus just blow your mind is, is mind blowing, you know, it's cool. Yeah. And, and so I, I, the Sermon on the Mount to me is, is just, um, it's fascinating. It's, it's in a way similar to James because a lot of the ideas that are shared are similar, but they're straight from the mouth of Jesus. And he goes into a lot more with some of it. So I think, I agree with you. I actually think that, and when I started writing the Sermon on the Mount, like I said, I started, I started going through it because I personally was interested in digging deeper into the Sermon on the Mount after digging so deep into James. But I think as someone who's doing a Bible study, it's a great succession. 
And, and, um, the new, the, the, the sermon on the Mount that I'm, I'm going to put out the, the study, uh, it will actually have some, they're not required. They're just a supplement, but it'll actually have some videos, the teachings that I'll do that'll go along with it, um, to kind of get you thinking a little bit more. It's also a six week study. So the, the James is a five week study. So this, the sermon on the Mount is a six week study, which I, I like studies about that long. Yeah. Somewhere between five and eight weeks, I think is good. You get to the like 10 to 12 and people start to get exhausted. Um, yeah. And so, so um, just for, to, to be able to finish it, it's six weeks long and I'm really excited to put it in people's hands. I'm excited to be, it's, it's still in the finishing process. The work of the writing is done, but now there's all the editing and the um, really making it presentable for you all. all the, <laughs> it's the not ready stuff. just yet, but it'll be coming out January. Yeah. January 7th okay. is the official release date and there is a pre-order available. And if anybody's wondering, um, for, for one thing, I'll tell you that the James study, I just had Amazon reduce the price on because I'm going to be coming out with a new one. And I just want to make sure that can get into people's hands. Um, so that's good to know if you're looking for a study. But um, the the pre-order is, is very helpful for an author if just because so you can know how, how many books that you need and planning and all of that. So it is available for pre-order now if you want to and kind of be the first one to have it hot off the press. Um, and then you can all, if people don't want to like commit to pre-ordering it, you can sign up for my emails and, and stay up to date on when it's going to actually come out. So you can order it at that time too, but it is available for pre-order now. Okay. Sounds awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Like I said, I'm probably going to, uh, here in in the next couple days uh, i didn't realize the pre-order was open yet until you you had emailed me earlier today uh, i'm probably going to get on and grab that because i i do um i'm not not just saying it because because you're on here as a guest or um like blowing smoke or anything like that like i, I really genuinely enjoy uh what you did with no excuses and uh i do think like you said i think the the sermon on the mount is going to pair really really well with that uh, i've i enjoyed it was it was very easy to read through. Uh, I've I've done Bible studies before where I felt like I had to force myself to sit <laughs> and and read through it. Me too, um, and yeah. this 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 is definitely not the case. Um, so I think it's you're definitely using some skills that God God has given you. Um, you're definitely using those for benefit. And I think anybody that even if even if you're very, very familiar with uh, with the book of James, I highly recommend um, this Bible study, No Excuses, and uh, what you have coming up with the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so I think uh, we're coming up on time. So we will uh, close it out. I will put links for, um, uh, for anything that you've sent me, but we'll have the books, uh, website, all that in the description of the video. Um, so anybody... Uh, I like said I highly recommend go uh, support um, Gina and in these books and even the what what was your first book called again? Uh, it's called The Well Woman: A Journey to well Wellness Woman. Through Loving Jesus. Okay, um, so yeah, if any of these if they sound like something you'd be interested in or you're looking for a good Bible study, I highly recommend this one. Um, and I'll uh, throw it to you, Gina. Do you have anything else you want to leave people with? Um, anything else you want to throw out there that we didn't get a chance to to touch on? 
anything like that? The only other thing that I would, I would leave someone with, since you said your show is, is mostly for new Christians, I, I would just encourage anyone to, I think that the no excuses study is a good study for someone who is a seasoned or a new Christian for all the reasons we've already talked about, but I would encourage anyone who's a new Christian to not be intimidated to get into the, to the word, like to get into the word for yourself, because it's alive and active and just little by little by little, that's how, that's how God grows you, matures you and speaks to you. And that's how I started. I mean, years, years and years ago, I had never done a Bible study on my own and was intimidated and started getting into the word. And I think a Bible study, especially a shorter one, that's, that's, you know, five and six weeks long versus something like I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year or something that's, you know, a little (laughs) bigger. I think it's a great way to start. So even if it's not my study, I would just say, if you're a newer believer and and you don't know where to start, get a, get a small, short, doable, reasonable study and, and just jump in there. Like, don't be intimidated. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you just, you got to start somewhere. Um, and it's, it's not always, especially when you're first starting out, it may be more difficult to really sit down and dedicate a lot of time to it, but just getting in and, and doing something, uh, just getting a start. I'm actually, um, in the process, um, I'm preaching to the, the youth at my church, um, on October 4th. And I was, uh, given the topic of teaching them how to fall in love with reading the Bible. Um, so that's been an interesting thing I've been working through, but I mean, ultimately it just comes down to, uh, you know, you have to really get in and start doing it. There's going to be days that you don't want to. There's going to be days where it doesn't seem like it's going to be fun or entertaining. Um, and there's even just going to be books that you really, you may not see a purpose in reading at first. Um, but there, there's benefit to to all of it. And just getting in and actually doing it um, is, is absolutely life-changing. So, um, oh. <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, you coming on. Um, I, I do. I'm looking forward to the next one coming out. And then once that does come out, um, I get it. And uh, I'll probably be reaching out to you again, see if we want to schedule something new coming on again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everybody for, for watching and listening. Um, God bless. Be safe.